1: Father said, be ready by six. You know how the kids are, so excited. Today's the day. Dad missed it then, but that's okay. We'll give him that little bite. So tomorrow we're going to go. He wakes up plenty early, gets all the stuff out. He now loads it in the trunk of the car now for the dad. The dad didn't get up at five, didn't get up at six, didn't get up at seven, didn't get up at eight, didn't get up until nine. When the father finally came staggering out of the bedroom, He then looked at his son and says, Oh, I need to tell you, I don't really feel... I have a bad back today, and I don't know that I can really sleep on the ground like that. Maybe we can do this. I am so sorry. Well, the boy was disheartened, didn't put on a tantrum, but he was brokenhearted, as you and I would be. And so the dad said, Would you do me a favor, since my back is hurting, would you now take this camping gear and put it back in the garage? Well, the boy cried a little, took the gear, put it back into the garage, And after he took it back into the garage, he was walking back to slam the trunk down. And when he did, he saw his dad come out of the other side of the house, and he had his golf bags. And he put the golf bags in the bottom of his trunk, closed it down, and took off. I don't know much about Bill. I don't know anything about him growing up and where he's at right now. But I know this, that anybody that's had someone make so many promises to you that's a significant person that has broken them, you do not rely much on other people. You do not get close to them. But I want to tell you that when you trust Christ as Savior, you you have a God who cannot lie, who has a power to make and keep promises, and your inheritance that you have is a promise-making, promise-keeping God. So when you read scripture and you go through there and God says you will never perish but have everlasting life, you will never perish and you'll have everlasting life. When he says it's by faith alone, it's by faith alone. When he says I'll never leave you nor forsake you so you can boldly say I'm your helper and you don't have to fear other people, you can believe that God will never leave you nor forsake you because God is a God who cannot lie. And when you trust Christ as Savior, that's a blessing that you can thank God for in the will of God. You have that. Number four, righteousness. I think this is neat too because it says by faith. Noah here, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, which would be rain and a flood and all of that, he moved with godly fear and he prepared an ark for the saving of his house. By doing that, even the rest of the world was being condemned. And he became an heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. Would you circle the word faith? So it says, no matter how good Noah was, he didn't go to heaven because he built an ark. He went to heaven because he believed God. And the byproduct of that was an ark and a bunch of other stuff that he did because he did it God's way. But it was the faith that got him saved. It didn't say by building an ark he got to heaven. It was by faith and it ended with faith. It's all wrapped up in faith. And that's part of the inheritance. You get God's righteousness. Let this little piece of paper right here represent me. I don't want this to be about me, but for a moment here you'll understand why I'd rather have this one be. This is going to represent me. And since I'm the guy that I am, I'm kind of a dirty guy and I, I do some things that are sometimes wrong, not a whole lot wrong, just a, just a couple of things wrong. Now, because I'm a... This piece of paper is going to represent me with all of my unrighteousness. And I come to a point in my life that I want to go to heaven and I realize that I've got to be as good as God. I have to be righteous. So the world tells me, but the secular or religious world tells me, that I've got to clean up my act. So I try to polish myself off, dry off some of the sweat... And now when I die, I'm going to stand before him. And God's going to say, I look upon your righteousness. It's a filthy rag, the kind that they would wipe the dead skin off of lepers with. That's your best. You're going to go to hell forever. That's your best righteousness. But when I trust Christ as Savior, look up here. This is my righteousness. This is Christ's righteousness, which there's no sin on him. He's 100% perfect. And he says, what I'm going to do, this is horrible, this is disgusting. But he's going to take all my sin of all time, All the sin of all the world of all time on himself, die, rise again from the dead. Now, just because he paid the ticket provisionally in Christ, that doesn't mean you're going to heaven. We still need to have his righteousness, and that is given to us as a gift on our account when we place our faith in Christ. So one of the inheritances we get from God is not just eternal life. It's not just salvation. It's not just his promises. It's all of that wrapped up in his R word righteousness that he gives to me when I trust Christ as Savior. And Paul is saying, we thank God for those of you to be able to know now, petition, the full knowledge of God's will. And that's what he wants us to know, that you know the knowledge of his will. And that way you'll understand the inheritance that you already have. You don't have to know his will to get the inheritance. You have to know his will to know the inheritance. That's a big difference. And number five is the grace of life. The grace of life is an inheritance In number one, under eternal life, I put the uh, quantity of life. And number five, under the grace of life, I'm going to talk about the quality of life. I don't care how good God gets to you right now that you experience. Nothing is better than when you trust Christ as Savior and you experience the fullness of God in your life. Hawaii is a very beautiful place to live. It's a very laid-back place at times. I know about traffic, and many of you got too much on your plate, and you're doing a lot. But theoretically, we are pretty laid-back. How many of you men today came to church wearing shorts? Tried to do that on the mainland. okay? You know where I'm going with this. We have that laid-back life. How many of you are going to go to the beach this afternoon? Okay, If you're on the mainland, you'd be shoveling snow, maybe. I don't know. But we have a laid-back life. I'm not trying to put that down. But I want you to know that it's not wrapped up in this life here. It's wrapped up in an inner grace that God gives to us. That's the inheritance. Let's move quickly now. When do we receive this inheritance? We get it now, and we get it in the future. We have the inheritance now and in the future. We have three kids, two adopted boys and one kind of foster daughter. And they came to live with us when they were 7 years old and 10 years old and 18 years old. Okay. Now, as good parents should be, we knew that we needed to get a will. We had a lot of good advisors, mentors in our life that said, you need to have a will now that you have kids. So Carol and I decided, well, how much can you split up $10? You know, I didn't know, but we figured out we'd have something that would be put together. So what we did in our will is in case something happened, Carol and I traveling and speaking and we might have gotten you know, expired, died, who would take care of the kids? So we then put it all together in a particular inheritance account for the kids. Now, I don't want to get too complicated, but basically they would be given a certain amount of a little bit of money when they reached a certain age. They were given a little bit more money when they reached another age. And when they reached a final age, they would be given all what they were due, whatever was left in our account. Now, don't try to do all the math, just understand the concept. What I'm illustrating is this, that... When we get an inheritance, we do have the inheritance right now. Watch this. I have eternal life right now. I don't get it when I die. I have it right now. However, I'm still wrapped in flesh in my body right here. So truly, when I die, that's when I'm going to experience fully. That's the operative word. Fully that eternal life that God has for me. It's all one inheritance. So I get it now and I get it in the future. My kids, they got their inheritance now. They knew it was there. That's their inheritance. Nobody else is going to get it. It's theirs. But they also get it later on when they reach a certain level. Now, for you and me, we get all the inheritance now positionally. We'll get all the inheritance practically when we're with him forever and ever and ever and ever. And that's a promise of God. And that's what God says for you and me. And that's why it says it's reserved for you in heaven. Who gets this inheritance? The answer is simple. Write the word Christians down. Who gets this? Those of you that know Christ as their Savior. Now, I want to end this thought with a question. Shout out, in your opinion, who is the richest person in the United States of America. Who's the most wealthiest person in the United States of America and maybe even maybe the world? Anybody know his name? What's his name? Shout him out. Okay, I didn't hear my name. Okay. Bill Gates. All right, now Bill Gates. How many of you would love to be one of Bill Gates' relatives? Okay, not because you're greedy, I'm sure. My hands go up too. Probably would. But think about it for just a moment. All the wealth that Bill Gates has, now let's add every wealthy person into that same pot. If you could get all of their inheritance, would you really want it if at the same time you had to sacrifice and not get the inheritance we just learned from Scripture? No, I wouldn't want it. Because everything I get from... I don't care how, how many... The, the can you imagine his house... You know, he just, maybe he burps and there's a special burp evaporator or something. I don't know. His whole house is just set up with technology. Everything is set up. Who would love to have that? They're going to have a, a, a thing here, big boy toys, you know. I'm not going to go there. But I can imagine how many people would love to have those big boy toys. I don't care what you get. Nothing is greater than the spiritual, watch this, the spiritual inheritance. You may not have a big house. You may not have a great car. You may not even have good health. But what you have, nothing on planet earth can now or ever give you. And that's the eternal quality that's found in Christ. It's an inheritance to you. And that's what Paul is saying to the people he never knew. That they would have the full knowledge of his will and his word. So they'd understand that inheritance. Which means it probably is going to take someone and us praying for us to understand that. Us getting into the word. And us remembering that that's all that we need. Number two. He says that God has delivered us from the power of darkness. Number two, boy, the inheritance wasn't enough, or maybe the inheritance could be spelled out and being delivered from the power of his darkness. It says he has delivered us from the power of darkness. The word delivered there has the idea of snatching, snatching. And the word, or the words power of darkness, has the idea of authority or domain. Okay, back to a, back to a water illustration. Many years ago, I was probably about 25 or 30, I went in a small John boat. A John boat is about t- ten feet, little metal boat they sell at Sears on the mainland. I don't know if they sell them here or not. I haven't been in that area, but and it doesn't mean John Deacle's boat. It's a kind of a John boat. Okay, I'm sorry. I just got thinking. Thinking John's boat, John boat. And we went out. If you can imagine, in the Florida. Keys, the Florida Straits, you know where that is out there? And We were out pole fishing. You, you kind of push because it's very shallow water and you're bone fishing. And so we're in bone fish swimming, very shallow water. And you're gigging up, you're, you're using, what do you call it? Well, now we saw an island, another key that wasn't connected to any of the main, mainland islands. And my idea was, let's go see what's on that island, you know, dummy. So we take this john boat and we head out to this island. And so I loaded up in this john boat, all sorts of driftwood and old bobbers and, and, and floats that came from from lobster traps and all this stuff that looked kind of cool, you know, seaside stuff, you know, so I'm loading this thing up, you don't do that, kids, and now we're heading back to Isla Murata, because that's where they did a lot of bone fishing, so we headed back into Isla, halfway, our boat encountered a lot of winds, which then create waves that now, in, um, what do you call it, uh, inundated the boat, all right? Now the boat sinks with the motor and all of this stuff. I'm basically here in the water. The boat's underneath. I'm miles away. I can see the land. And honestly, this is no joke. I was so excited. I thought, this is cool. I am in a shipwreck. I'm experiencing like something the Apostle Paul had, brain damage, you know. And I'm with my buddy, Lewis. And so here we are in this thing. And I'm thinking, this is neat. And and it won't be long. And we'll be rescued. And I'm watching this boat go by. And it's one of those big cabin cruisers. And it comes by, and it stops. True story. They don't have a rope long enough to be able to throw it down to the water. It's a cabin cruiser. The rope is just long enough to tie it up to a cleat at the dock. So they drop it down. We could hardly reach it. And I'm saying, throw us more rope. And they didn't. Nope, they didn't do it. Do you know what they did? They mowed it off. Now, I hope they call the Coast Guard. I don't know. But I do remember there was a sailboat out there. So now we take these big push poles that we're pushing across the flats, but we're in too deep of water, and we're waving them like wands, hoping somebody would see it. Sure enough, the sailboat saw us. All the people on the boat were drunk. How do I know that? They decided not to lower the sails and put in their kicker to get to us. They decided they're going to sail to us. And so they're tacking against the wind, and we're out there for hours. It's getting dark, and I'm thinking of two french fries and jaws, you know? And I'm thinking, what in the world? Let's come over So they finally come and they head right at us. Not alongside, right at us. So I'm telling, Lewis, 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 dive, dive. So we're underwater. Now, that's when I really was scared. Now, I'm not trying to do this for your kids. You, if you've never been a mile or two away and now it's getting dark, the sun has already set, it's dusk, you, this boat just came over you, banged, and you know, I'm underwater and I'm in what is known as the domain of water. Now, that's no problem. I go in the domain of the Pacific when I go surfing or paddling. Many of you do the same thing. I'm in the domain. But now I'm under it because I had to dive, and I'm hearing that boat knock, our boat that's still submerged, and I don't know what's happening now. I don't know. I'm not going to get hit by that motor or what. I'm now more than in the domain of water. This is a good illustration. I'm under the power of the domain of the water. There's, I can't climb out of this water. I am at the mercy of this water. I'm in its domain. I'm under its power. And at that moment, don't worry, I wasn't killed. Okay, in case you're wondering. I said, Lord, I said, please save me. And I'm not making this story up. I stuck my hand up, and there was one of those drunken boat people reached his hand down and grabbed my arm, and I was now, you know, in the water as the boats going by, and they pulled me up on top. All right. I don't want to go through the rest of that story, but I want you to know that this is no better illustration than I can illustrate in an earthly way what happens in the spiritual way that when God says that when you trust Christ to save you, you are snatched from the, the kingdom or the authority or the domain of Darkness. And that domain is not just a place or a situation. There's power there. There's oppression there. There's something coming against you so big, we can't even fully grasp all of that. And that's the unsafe person driving by the poly while I'm preaching to you right now. They're experiencing that. That's probably the same kind of domain of a father who had beat with a baseball bat his wife and four adopted children. And all of you who do not know Christ, you are in a domain of that. And, influence. and I don't know where that can take you. Some are able to just bob with it, die and go straight to hell, that's it. Others are so influenced by that, they're wrecking families, wrecking lives, wrecking careers, wrecking society, wrecking kingdoms. And we could talk about Middle East. And coming back to this, the Bible says He's going to snatch us, take us. Some people say the word means to rescue us. I think that's a good word, too, because to snatch means we don't just take you up to dump you later on in another negative black domain. He says, I'm going to take you, I'm going to snatch you up out of that domain and out of that influence. If you don't know Christ, you're in that domain. But I can tell you this in a positive way, that the Lord is right there so willing to snatch you out of that domain, out of that kingdom, out of that power right now, and he's willing to do that. This passage is spoken... To a group of people in written fashion, how Paul prayed that they would understand the will of God to remind them that they had been snatched out of that domain. I'm enjoying so much what I have here that I forget these people are lost. They're They're in a domain. I don't care how sweet they are, how beautiful their Hawaiian music is. I don't care how wonderful their culture is and all the beautiful parades down Waikiki and they represent everything and they're eating and laughing and all of that. They are in a domain of darkness and God has called me and you and Christians like us on the island that... We're here shortly. This is a dark domain. I don't care how brightly the sun shines. It is a dark domain. And God's called us to wake up out of that and realize that we've been delivered. We've been snatched. But now, the good thing about the Lord, and I love this, is the Lord, he says, I'm snatching you from something, and then I'm transferring you into something, And that's the third and final thing. He says, I'm praying that you'd understand the will of God so you'd understand this third point. And that is that God has transferred us into a new kingdom. Conveyed is the word transferred or removed us or changed us. And he removed us from conquered people by the world to conquering people by Christ. It's a total removal that we've been transferred from that dark domain. The rest of the verse says, redemption, the forgiveness... Through his blood. Through his blood. We all need to go back to the blood of Christ. Jesus shed his blood willingly for you and me on the cross so he could then say, I'll forgive you. And when I forgive you, I'm redeeming you. I'm snatching you from the kingdom of darkness and I'm conveying you like a conveyor belt and I'm putting you into this new kingdom of light. And it's by forgiveness, it's by redemption, it's by His blood. So He does the redeeming, He does the forgiving, He does the bleeding. What do we do? So simply, He says, we do the believing. We have to believe that He did that for us and we can have everlasting life. I'm reminded of this cute little story about a father and mother who took their 11-year-old son and their 7-year-old daughter to Carlsbad Cavern. They- and so they went down in there, and like these tour guides like to do, I don't know if they do it for a joke or whatever, if you've ever been on these tours of these caves, when you get so deep, dark in the depths of this cave, they like to shut the light out. Have you ever been on one of those? Is there anybody? oh, thank you. And they loved that, oh, we're going to shut the lights out on you. So they flipped the lights out. And they did with this kid. And when you're in there and your eyes cannot focus because it is so pitch black, it's almost as if you can feel that. And do that to a seven-year-old girl who's smelling smells she's never smelled before, hearing about some bats that will fly out at any time. And she's down here and she can't see her mommy. Can you imagine? So she begins to tremble and cry. And her 11-year-old brother, sweet guy that he was, says this. Don't worry, sister. There is somebody here who knows how to turn the lights on. I thought that's kind of cool. So some of you, maybe you're going to be so infracted by life that you're going to come to a point that you realize that you are spinning out of control in a world of darkness. There is someone who knows how to turn the light on in your life. The beginning of all of this talks about in the saints, inheritance, in the saints, in the light. You're looking for light. Those of you that are in the Buddhist faith, you're going to find that enlightenment in the person and work of Jesus Christ by faith alone snatching you momently and putting you in a new kingdom by faith alone. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I'd like to give you a moment now to respond to this great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I can give you the word. I can try to put it on the plate in a way that I, I hope will be tasty for you. But I cannot give you the hunger. Only you and God can do that. I can bring you the meat, but I can't make you eat. But my friend, if you do not eat, the consequences are horrific and eternal. So I would like to give you three applications right now. Number one, will you say this? Lord, I want to seek an eternal home in God's kingdom by trusting in Christ for the forgiveness of my sin. Would you say that to the Lord? Lord, I'm a sinner. I know I've done things wrong. I know I cannot get to heaven by my good deeds. I'm not promising you that I'll start this or stop that. It's not about church membership. It's not about keeping some 10 commandment list. All that is good, but it is by faith alone in Christ. And right now, Lord, I am going to secure an eternal home in heaven, your new kingdom, right now, by me placing my faith alone in you. Would you do that right now? Please don't allow the the distractions of this world and Satan will use every good thing he can to keep you away from making an eternal decision. So if you're saying this to the Lord, Lord, it's not by my good deeds, but it's by faith alone and I want to thank you for that. I now have been redeemed. I've been bought. I've been forgiven by your blood. And I want to... All right. Please make that decision. The second would be, I will seek to build relationships with those who are not in God's kingdom in order to bring them to Christ. Friends, if we as a faith family here go about doing church like it's a a good thing, it's a religious thing, it's what we do every week, but we do not passionately engage the lost world, we will quickly deteriorate into a maintenance ministry, lose the blessing and power of God, and God will allow us to keep going but not growing. And so I recommit myself to you as your pastor that I truly want to be more soul conscious, if you know what I mean. I don't want to forget those passing cars, the neighbors next door, the ones on the beach, the person who cuts my hair, the one from whom I buy my groceries. And please don't you either. If we do not, we will be in a struggle that God will place upon us of decisions that we have to make, and it's only because of our apathy or lack of obedience. And folks, God has done so much for us. And truly, in my humble, earthly opinion, we've got a great group of people here, so gifted and talented and skilled by God. We have a great future. But let us not forget that we live around people who do not know you. And then finally, our final application would be Can you say this to the Lord? I will set my heart to pray a more worthy prayer for my family and friends to be influenced by God's will and word. I will do that. How many of you would like to have prayer that you will seek to build relations with those who do not know Jesus Christ? And how many of you would like to have prayer that you will set your heart to pray more worthy prayers for your family and friends? that they would be influenced by the will and word of God. Would you uh, pray for me? My hand is up. Is there anyone that would join me in prayer? Anyone? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful, worthy prayer that Paul prayed for people he really didn't know intimately, and that you chose to have it recorded in Scripture as a model for us to follow in this particular area of praying. Now, Lord, I pray as a faith family that we together would never forget the plight of lost people, unsaved people, new words for us, for some of us. Help us, Father, to be building these relationships and inviting them to hear the word and that we will not marginalize what's done around here. And look at the things that we don't have and the things that we lack, the things that we're not yet perfect in, and then not bring people to church and wait for our church to be perfect. For, Father, we never will. There'll be no perfect church, no perfect pastor, no perfect people, no perfect building. No perfect ministry, no perfect whatever. But Lord, we are connected to a perfect God and we're on a journey to become more like you. And so Lord, help us to do that. And then Lord, finally, help us to be people of prayer and that our prayers would be changed from these stupid little silly prayers that we often pray because we've done it so much and that we would begin to step up and pray these worthy manner of prayers. And that we would, as young people and old people, allow you to change us from within because we're saying... Thank you for our inheritance. Thank you that we've been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. By your blood. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida.